Welcome to the Grace and Truth to Us podcast. God created all things, especially each of us, to have a relationship with Him. However, due to our sin, we were separated from God until He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to show not only the truth of our condition, but also give us grace to reunite us to Him. We will explore the Bible together to discover the grace and truth God has communicated to us through the Bible. I'm Pastor Jerry. Let's get started. Let's pray. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are thankful for this day that you have given to us to be able to look at your word, which is eternal and alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Use it in our lives to make us into the men and women of God that you desire us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever noticed that commercials have weird things to draw attention? I used to work for a company that sold consumers goods before I was a pastor, and that company was the largest advertiser in the world. And they wanted to be sure that their commercials draw drew attention to their products. But whatever it is, they uh, the the I, the goal of the commercial was that the product would be remembered, not necessarily the drama of the commercial. And so if there was a commercial that really was very funny, but then people were asked afterward what the product was, if they couldn't remember the product, that commercial was not used. Today is very much like this. We have commercials with ostriches. Can you think of the company that uses that? Or talking mannequins, a company who uses those as well. And you will see that that principle is not new. This episode that we are looking at today is Matthew chapter 3, and it concerns John the Baptist and Jesus' baptism. Any questions or comments that you have about this can be emailed to me at graceandtruthtous at gmail.com. And I hope that you'll do that sometime to let me know that you're listening. And so let's start off with uh, the grace and truth to us, thinking about John the Baptist beginning in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from this coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more worthy and powerful than I, whose sandal I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, 
gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. This Gospel of Matthew is about Jesus, but Matthew starts out with describing John the Baptist. In Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, Malachi says, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the father to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I would come and strike the land with a curse. You see, Matthew describes how God is preparing the way. The Gospel of Luke gives us more about John the Baptist than the other Gospels. And so listen to uh, what Luke says about John the Baptist. He was born around 4 B.C. That's six months prior to his cousin Jesus. You see, his parents were elderly, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest serving in the temple, and he, one day he was assigned to go into the Holy of Holies, and he saw a vision of an angel in there. And the angel told him that he and Liz, that's what I call her, Liz, will have a son. And Zechariah doubts because of his age. He loses his speech until John is born. And after he's born, on the eighth day, they go to the temple to dedicate John. That is at the same time they would do the sacrament of circumcision for him. And so at the temple, the people think, that they are going to name him Zechariah, like his father. But Zechariah says, no, his name will be John. And at that moment, he regains his speech and praises God and gives a prophecy. John was to be raised in the Nazarite tradition. And part of that tradition is that he would have no wine. That's in Luke chapter 1, verse 15. And you can read about the Nazarite tradition in Numbers 6, 3 and also in Judges chapter 13, verses 2 through 5. Luke also reveals God's purpose for John in Luke chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. The angel says to Zechariah, Many of the people of Israel will, be, will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You see, virtually nothing is said about John's childhood. The only thing that's said is in verse 80 of chapter 1 of Luke, and it says this, The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. So all of that's in Luke chapter 1, and you can read it and get even more details than what I gave you. In Matthew's Gospel, uh, Matthew tells us that John's clothes were made of camel's hair. Now, this speaks of his poverty. Locust and wild honey was his diet, and there was one pastor who was speaking to uh, children about this and said that he had eaten locust and that he had wild honey from a honeycomb. And one boy spoke up and said, I didn't know they had cereal back then. Honeycomb sounds like it would be a good snack right now. And so that is the role of a prophet. John came preaching in the desert of Judea. Now, prophets often lived in the desert. 
And according to Luke chapter 3, verse 1, John began his preaching in the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar. Tiberius's rule started in A.D. 14, suggesting that John began in A.D. 28 or 29, making him about 30 years of age. And he preaches about the kingdom of heaven. Now that term, kingdom of heaven, has much debate on it, on that phrase, but the most probable answer to this is that it is a synonym of the kingdom of God. You see, Matthew's audience was primarily Jewish, and the Jews were uncomfortable saying the name of God because they didn't want to curse God. Yahweh is the Hebrew name, and they never said Yahweh. They would say Adonai, which means Lord. And so the kingdom of heaven is really uh is really a synonym for the kingdom of God. And he is preaching here, and this preaching here is with authority. It is not like the, what the prophets would do, which they often would start their messages with, thus says the Lord in the Old Testament. No, John is giving direct statements. The kingdom of heaven is near. You see, John is not establishing his own kingdom. He is appointing the way to the coming Messiah. And that is now the fulfillment of the sixth prophecy in the Gospel of Matthew, which comes from Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. He is baptizing people. People are coming to him, and they are being baptized in response to repentance. Now, baptism in uh, Jesus' day was a ceremonial washing. Jews had ceremonial washings that were individualistic. When I was in Israel uh, at the Temple Mount, there were some uh, deep baths outside the Temple Mount where people would come in and walk down into those baths and just wash the water over them as a symbol of making them pure before they go into the presence of God. And out in the desert, the Essenes, where the Qumran scrolls were discovered, also had a community, and they had these deep baths. But they all would go down individually when they thought they needed to be cleansed of something and put water on themselves. John's baptism, however, was a communal kind of baptism. It was a baptism that was done to them. They would come to John, and John would immerse them in the water or pour water on them in whatever way. And so it was a communal testimony that they were willing to repent for God. People were wanting to identify with the coming Messiah. Then he talks about being in the area of Judea and the Jordan River. Remember, the deliverance and entry into the promised land was to cross the Jordan River. And so the deliverance was taking place. It was coming to a fruition completion. Also, remember Naaman, who is an officer from a king in Damascus, has leprosy, and he comes uh, to Israel to be cleansed uh, by Elijah. And when he is told to go to the Jordan River, he thinks the Jordan River is dirty. There are certainly cleaner rivers in Damascus. I could do that. But his, his servant convinces him to go to the Jordan River and dip seven times, as he was told. And he is uh, delivered. He is healed from that disease. Jesus is delivering us from sin when he comes 
to the Jordan River to be baptized. In verses 7 and 10, Pharisees and Sadducees come, and John says, Who warned you of the coming wrath? See, John knows God does not require rituals, but rather God wants a relationship with us which produces a sincere response of love and action. And so John says to these leaders, Don't think you have Abraham as your father, because God can turn stones into believers. Perhaps the Pharisees and the Sadducees came out to test if John would accept their lifestyle. John didn't. Repentance means turning away from evil behavior. There was a group of children who were asked about repentance, and one said it means being sorry for your sins. That's a good description, but a little girl defined it even better, saying, it's being sorry enough to quit. Isn't that the right? When we repent, we turn away from our sin, we, we leave it, we, we turn 180 degrees and walk away from it. D.A. Carson is a New Testament professor, emeritus, and uh, he put it this way. He wrote this, he said, What is meant is not merely intellectual change of mind or mere grief, still less doing penance, but a radical transformation of the entire person, a fundamental turnaround involving mind and action, and including overtones of grief which result in fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance presupposes that our lives are off course and we need to turn them around. But it also points us in the direction of the Savior, who alone is able to make atonement for our sins. See, these leaders were more concerned about keeping the law than knowing God and what God desired of them. John would not baptize them. And so John says in verses 11 and 12, One comes after me, more powerful than I am, more worthy than I am, more effective than I am. I baptize with water, but he's going to baptize with fire, meaning the power to repent and live for God. And he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit, saying that he is God, and so it will be effective. Judgment will result. The truth is that we are all condemned, but Jesus came to deliver us from the condemnation. But judgment will eventually come to those who don't believe. The other day, I logged into several different websites, and three of those websites had to have proof of my identity. So they sent me a text to my phone or an email with a code in it, and I had to enter that code back into the web page so they knew it was really me. I had to identify with the web page. Jesus identifies with us. Listen to his commission in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 and 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. See, Jesus came to be baptized by John, but John is hesitant. He says, Do you, do, do you come to be baptized? I should be baptized by you. Now, it is uncertain as to whether John knew exactly who Jesus was, but he probably knew part of the truth, like all of us grow in our understanding of who Christ is, but probably not completely. He would have heard of his miraculous birth of Jesus from John's mother, Elizabeth. 
And he probably spent time with Jesus as a child. I'm sure those families would get together and they would see each other and spend some time. But Jesus says this is to fulfill all righteousness. What does he mean? You see, John's baptism means to identify with the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus identifies with the people so that he can be one with them and take on their sin. When we believe and are baptized, we identify ourselves with Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. Jesus takes on our sin, and we take on his righteousness, and therefore all righteousness is fulfilled. Jesus is commissioned in verses 16 and 17. Now, a prophet in the Old Testament often appears in a commissioning scene when they encounter God. Isaiah was transported to Yahweh's throne room to receive instructions for his task. That's in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Ezekiel, uh, the throne of Yahweh, came to him in Ezekiel chapter 1, the first 14 verses, and also 26 and 28. And Jeremiah's call came as a direct visitation by the word of Yahweh himself. Here, in this text with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is present as a dove who descends upon him. And the Father speaks, commissions his Son. This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Here is a, 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 a evidence that God exists in the Trinity. All three members of the Trinity are present. The Son being baptized, the Holy Spirit descended upon him to give him power, and the Father giving his commissioning statement. This statement is yet another fulfillment of the Old Testament, although Matthew doesn't declare it as that. It is in Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. It says, God declares of his Messiah, You are my son. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. Jesus came to die for all people, and the nations will become his inheritance as a son. And, he's, and the phrase that, With him I am well pleased, comes from Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1 at the beginning of the prophecies of God's suffering servant. You see, God reveals his grace and truth to us in Matthew chapter 3. I opened with Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. There had not been a prophet in Israel for 400 years since Malachi. Five, verses 5 and 6 of chapter 4 of Malachi are the last statements of the Old Testament. But after the 400 silent years, the flow of God's revelation starts again. And Matthew picks up exactly where Malachi left off. God has a plan for us. In John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, we all know of verse 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But do you remember what verses 17 and 18 says? It says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. You see, a lot of people think that Jesus came to condemn us, but the fact is the whole world was already condemned. He didn't need to condemn us. He came to save us. Jesus came to die for all nations. Jesus wants to save you. Do you believe? This is what James Montgomery Boyce wrote. He, James 
Montgomery Boyce was a pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, I believe. He is now with the Lord, but in one of his commentaries, he writes this. He says, if the Father is pleased with Jesus, shouldn't you be? If you are not, you are far from being a true Christian. If you are, surely you will want to follow Jesus in faithful obedience and point others to him as John the Baptist did. So where are you? Do you believe in Jesus' love for you? His life as human and God? His death on the cross? His resurrection from the grave? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you? Have you asked Jesus to lead your life and actions? You can do that in prayer in your own words. If you have asked Jesus to forgive you today in prayer, I would suggest to you that you start reading the four Gospels. Pick whichever one you want. Maybe pick Matthew, since that's what we're studying, or the Gospel of John, and read at your own pace. If you like reading a lot, you could read a whole chapter. They're not very long. It might take you 10 minutes. Or you could read just for five minutes at a time, uh, whatever you want. But get uh, in the habit of reading God's Word each day. And if you have uh, received Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you, email me at graceandtruththous at gmail.com. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your, your gift to us, Lord. We thank you that you have come to die for all nations and that that includes us, includes me. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have stronger faith, that you would help us to come to faith, that you would help us to live for you and to point others to Jesus as well, just as John the Baptist did. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please join us next week for another lesson from Pastor Jerry on the What the Bible Says and the So What of It for our Lives in Grace and Truth to Us podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email me at graceandtruththous at gmail.com. Until next time, the Lord be with you.